Amen. Amen. Hey, we are continuing our series on the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. So if you had your notes, uh, you can follow on, online, or you can, um, if you grab one of the handouts, you can follow on that. So um, we're just going to continue on uh, the fruits of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, and then we see on, uh, we saw the last couple of weeks we saw on who the Holy Spirit was and how he was in the Old Testament and how he was in the New Testament and how he was with Jesus and how he's a promise. And then we saw later on, we saw that he gives us a power and what's that power really for? And then, uh, then uh, last week, you guys got a look at uh, the, the first fruit of the Spirit, which is on love and what the Holy Spirit all about is and, and what this love is about. It starts, uh, so this, uh, this week, we're gonna continue on the fruits. So the first three fruits show up in our relationship. So love, joy, and peace is our relationship with God. It just uh, shows up in that area where you just uh, love and then you have joy and peace that just shows up in your relationship with God. The second three fruits manifest themselves in our relationship with others. So eventually, it's just, they all go in order. So the second, the second three is patience, kindness, and goodness. They go when it manifests itself when you're hanging out with people and, and in, in your interaction with people. And the last three fruits show up how we handle in how we handle opposition with the world around us and in our relationship with people. It just, now it's how you handle situations and circumstances and, and things with other people and in your life. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's how you handle things. And it's, you know, uh, the Bible says, you know, a tree is recognized by its fruit. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, the Bible says, a tree, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You know, last week we were uh, in Florida. Just randomly, there's tons of trees out there with mangoes and banana and, and, and coconut. I just felt like I was in India. And I, like, you know, I became a little darker, just in case you didn't realize. We had to turn the lights up today just to match my darkness here. I haven't been so dark since high school. It's like, uh, it's just been crazy. It's like, but it's coming off. Once I came to Wisconsin, I'm getting a little lighter here. Uh, my mom, you know, even my mom was like, I see you've gotten way darker. <laughs> and, uh, but it's just, uh, I didn't think I would burn, but, uh, you know, it's, I have. It's like my hands are like burnt up. And, uh, but, you know, over there you get to see these different trees and, and, and all these different fruits. And, and what we did was uh, in the house that we stayed, their neighbors uh, had a bunch of mango trees. And we grabbed a bunch of mango and bought them and actually ate them yesterday. They had ripened yesterday. And we were eating them. And it says, the Bible says, Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. The number one problem that people have with Christianity is they always look at Christians and say, you don't behave like Christians. What they mean is the fruit is not the same as the tree. Like if you are saying you're a Christian, then the fruit that is showing up in your life and in the tree that you are should be just like Christian, like it should be what, what one of these fruits are. The Father is glorified through us being fruitful. John chapter 15, verse 8, the Bible says this. This is to my Father's glory that you may bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So when we start to bear these fruits in our life, we're actually showing the world that we are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Like the world starts to look at us and they're like, man... The way you live your life and, and the way you react and act in your life is, is, is a true uh, you know, recognition that, that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's actually the Father is glorified. You know, one of the things um, people always joke about is, is whenever the kids do something bad, 
people always say that the, the fathers will always say, you know, your kid is behaving this way. But whenever they're doing good, they always say, it's my kid is behaving really well. You know, I do it too. I always blame my wife for all the bad things my kids do. <laughs> it's like, because, you know, in all honesty, my wife is, is the best thing. She's, she's always grown up really good. I'm the really bad thing. So it's like, uh, so when they behave bad, it's actually me. But, you know, I don't want to take responsibility like that, okay? I just pass it on to other people. But, you know, the thing is, the Father is glorified through us being fruitful. So when you are bearing fruits in your life, God the Father in heaven's looking at you, and, and people talk highly of God because of your life and the way you live your life and the actions. True joy can give you an incredible surge of strength in your own daily walk with God. You know, the by the fruit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, and forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Is sec- the second one we're looking at is, is joy. You know, in, in fr- John 15, 9 to 11, the Bible says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You know, Jesus says, I have told you this number one reason is so that my joy can be in you and so that your joy can be complete. It's like when, when you have the Holy Spirit in your life and then you start living according to the commandments of God, now this joy becomes complete in your life. This joy over here is basically talking about in Acts chapter 5, verse 40 and 41, the Bible says this, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. You know, they were like excited. This, this joy shows up when you're persecuted for Jesus Christ. When you post something online and something, somebody says something bad about Jesus, you don't panic and, 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 and say 50 bad things back to them. You're just like, wow, you know, Jesus loves you. You know, that's how people know. You know, imagine where it is where the apostles were getting beat and they were like so excited. Imagine getting beat for Jesus and you're like super excited. The apostles were like, whoo, so happy today. And we're like, what is going on? You got something's wrong with you guys. Like, how can you be happy when you get beat for Jesus? Because that joy is the fruit of the Spirit. Because you understand who God really is. And you understand that, that getting persecuted for Jesus is actually a joy. It's like, it's like man, I can't believe this is, is, is awesome. That, that I get to be part of this. You know, this joy shows up when, when things are not going good in your life. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, the Bible says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the wines, though the olive crop fail, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. When, when there's absolutely nothing that's going right, and there's, and there's no things that, that's coming together. And then and you still find joy in the midst of it. You just lost your job. And then you're still finding joy in the midst of it. You just don't have nothing when you open your kitchen pantry. And, and then there's still that joy that you have in your life. And you look at your bank account like 10 times and it's still empty. And it's that, that joy that, that shows up. And that's what the Bible is. True joy can give you incredible surge of strength in your own daily walk with God. Growing up, my dad would get beat many times for the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I was uh, five years old, my mom and dad got beat because they were Christians. People came into our house and, and uh, stripped my parents and beat them. That was what made me get angry about Jesus and walk away from Jesus Christ. But my dad would always tell me, one day you'll realize that it's a privilege to get beat for Jesus. And I'm like, okay, I don't like this Jesus. 
Can't even protect his people. What kind of Jesus is he? Like he can't protect his people. Because we don't understand what it truly means to be persecuted for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because when you understand what the gospel is really about, then you look at Acts chapter 5, and you understand why the apostles were so happy. They're like, man, this is great. This is great that we're actually getting beat for Jesus. Because they understand, because the Bible says, for the joy that was set in front of him. See, Jesus thought it a complete joy to come and die on the cross for you and me. He was like, man, I did this. And so eventually when you live your life for Jesus Christ and you have the Holy Spirit and one of the fruit is the joy of the Holy Spirit that shows up in your life, you realize when, when things are going bad, when, when, when you're getting beat up for Jesus Christ or people are saying bad stuff about you or things about you or about the faith online, you're just like, you know what, I'm just not gonna fight about it because this is great that somebody is saying crappy stuffs. I get really happy. Like if I see one bad review online, I'm like, yes. Somebody said something bad. This is awesome. You know, once in a while I get emails like, we didn't like your, like your sermon. I'm like, yes, this is a privilege. Thank you. I always reply back to them. I'm like, can I take you out for lunch or dinner? What can I do to hang out with you and talk to you more? I like people like you. It's great because, you know, this, it's not like I'm getting punched. I did get punched a couple weeks ago, but it wasn't for the gospel. Some guy was asking for money in our church, and I said no. So I could still put it in the gospel thing and say, what a joy it was to get punched in the church. But, you know, it's a little different. But you have to understand, Christianity, the Bible says, a tree is recognized by its fruit. Church, the world is looking at us, and the world is going to say things. The world said stuff to Jesus. They said stuff to the disciples, but they continue to stay with the joy. And I want to encourage you. You know, the best place to start is in your social media. When people say stuff about your faith, you know, just work on not saying something bad back to them. Just, you know, thank you. Thank you. You're a weirdo. You're a bad Christian. Jesus is not real. Like, you don't have to prove nothing back. Like, no, let me show you 10 verses right now why Jesus is real. Like, no need. Okay. Even if you prove it or don't prove it, Jesus is still going to be real. It's like your joy, the way you handle persecution is how people recognize like, man, when I say bad stuff to this guy about his faith, he just does not react the way others do. Like, what is up with that? Why do you not say stupid stuff? Like, if you go to my social media page, it's like I never say stupid stuff. It's like, I, I don't defend the faith. I don't do things like that. Because this is where I do all of that. And on social media, I'm trying to show my joy. Like, man. Yes, yes, it's great that you say stupid stuff. It's fine. Like, you know, you know, I want to remind you that Jesus can defend himself all by himself. He's actually God. He's way, he's way more powerful than I am. Like, I could say something stupid back and ruin things, you know, but Jesus can do way better. Like, he can, he can handle himself really well. The Bible says, is the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Romans chapter 8, verse 6, the Bible says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. See, the next gift, fruit of the Spirit, is, is peace. Love, joy, and peace. You know, peace is very, very important, especially in today's time. You have to allow your mind to be governed by the, by the peace of God. If you allow the Holy Spirit to govern your mind, then, then all of a sudden you have life and you have peace. But the Bible says if you, if you allow your flesh to govern your mind, then it's just death. 
It's just all this frustration and anger and hatred and bitterness. But if you allow the Spirit to govern your life, it's, the Bible says there's peace and then there's life. Peace is a byproduct of living and following closely after Jesus. Peace means the absence of fear and turmoil, not the absence of pain and grief. Peace is not taking away grief. If you've lost someone, it doesn't mean it, the grief is gone, but you find this peace in, in spite of that grief. In spite of that loss in your life, you find this peace. This peace is, does not mean that you don't have pain. You have pain, but in the midst of that pain, you're still finding this peace. There's a story of Horatio Spafford, 1873. This, this, this man's wife and four daughters went on a journey to Europe and he had to go with them. Their son in 1871 had died from pneumonia. And then they had five children, so their son died. And then immediately after that, much of their family, their business was lost in the big Chicago fire. And they're still trusting God. And then 1873, his wife and four daughters, they were going to Europe and he had to go with them, but he had a business meeting, so he couldn't go and he said, hey, I'll come after a couple of days. And, and so his wife and children, uh, his four daughters left on the on the ship, and after four days of crossing into the Atlantic, the ship collides with another ship, and all four of his daughters die. And his wife was saved by, by a small boat that was going along there, and they spot this woman floating, and, her, and she was still alive, and they pull her into the boat, and then they take her to Wales, and she wires her husband this message. It said, saved alone, what shall I do? And Mr. Spafford, he, he frames this telegram in his house. And, and four days later, he journeys out. He finds another boat, a ship, and he's journeying out. And four days into the, into the ocean, the, the, the captain of the, boat, the ship calls him up and says, Hey, right here is where the other ship sank, and your four daughters died right here. And it was in that place that Spafford wrote this song. When peace like a river attendeth my soul, when sorrows like sea bellows roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. He was able to have peace when he's lost his four daughters and, and, and he's lost his son, he's lost his business and he's there in this, in this ocean writing that whatever God you bring into my life, it's perfectly well with my soul. It's this ability to find peace in the midst of grief and hurt and pain is, is the peace that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's when you look at Christians and they're going through so much hurt and pain and difficulties in their life and you're like, how is it that you have this joy and peace and, and it comes from having the Holy Spirit in your life because he gives you the strength. It's, it's a fruit of the Spirit. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. You know, it's this peace that shows up is just really, really powerful. God shows up in the midst of, of great trials and difficulties. You know, one of the things that you'll notice when you hang out with somebody who has a deep faith and, and a real relationship with the Holy Spirit is in the midst of crazy moments, they just have tremendous peace because the Holy Spirit gives you that peace. Peace is a byproduct of living and following closely after Jesus. The next three fruits that we see, start with patience, 
Patience is trusting in God's plan and timing and not our own. You know, speeding tickets, they actually, uh, I did a little study because I get quite a few of them. I haven't got them since I became a senior pastor. I got only one, and then I repented after that immediately. $15 billion is the income for speeding tickets. $5 billion out of that $1 billion in Milwaukee alone for jumping red lights, stoplights. You know, in Milwaukee, I take a couple seconds to, even, like I, even if I have to take a minute to go after it turns green because they still keep coming. After it turns red, they'll still show up. And, and, uh, but because we've come to a place in our life where, where we don't have patience. Patience in trusting God's plan and timing and not our own is just very, very difficult. But patience is something that, that is part of the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, it takes patience to trust in God. The Bible says this, in all your ways acknowledge the Lord and trust in Him and lean not on your own understanding. And it's, it's very difficult to not lean on God's understanding, but, to lean, and, but it's easy to just trust our own ways and trust our own lives. Like even now, we don't know what the world's going to look like and, and, and all of the different things that's happening. So sometimes we start to panic and we don't have patience and we move things from here to there and there to here and we do all these different things. And, 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 and if you could just speak to the Holy Spirit. And it's like you, you just, you know, you, sometimes you do way too many things with, before speaking to God. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. For this very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Jesus Christ may display his immense patience. See, Apostle Paul says this, that listen, patience started with Jesus in my life. Jesus showed immense patience to me, so that now... I being the worst of all sinners, if Jesus would show immense patience, it's my responsibility and to show the fruit of the Holy Spirit is one of that, is the patience, is to show patience to other people. When people do wrong things or, or people don't do things that you ask them to do or don't walk the way you want them to do it or your children are not doing the right things, it's, it's to show this immense patience because God had immense patience over you. And if you looked at your life before you were saved, Jesus had to show immense patience. Like it took a lot of patience for Jesus not to kill me. Like I was really bad. It's like there's like a separate plaque out there like Jesus had in his kingdom. Like when the, or they might have had a separate door. When the angels walked through that door, he was like, I know, it's John. You don't need to tell me. He's a mess. You know, it's like, that's how it's like, I'm pretty well known in heaven, I promise you. It's like, uh, I was like really bad. Like this verse, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 16. It says, Christ might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. So eventually, the way you are patient with the world and people in the world is, is, is showing how Jesus was patient with you. And showing your love and, and patience to other people. Colossians 1, verse 10 and 11, it says, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in everywhere, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, that you might have great endurance and patience. You know, part of the fruit of the Spirit is having patience. Patience with the people in the world. We get so upset with things in the world because the world's taught us to not be patient. 
You know, everything has to be really quick. The internet has to be really quick. And, and, and you know, life has to, everything has to be really fast. You know, the food that's being cooked has to be fast. If you go to a restaurant and they take 10 minutes more than what you expect, you get so upset. You know, when we were flying, it's like at the airport, people were really upset. You know, it's like the line is going to go as fast as it goes. Okay? It's like there's nothing you can do. If you bought stuff that you shouldn't bring in your bag, they're going to take another 10 minutes. Okay? You can't get upset at them. It's like, you know, you just have to just go there and just, just relax. And there's nothing people can do. You know, the plane's going to fly only so fast. It's like, but people get upset over different things. People get upset. Like, like when we were standing for the baggage claim, it had said exactly what time the baggage will show up. It was just, that was going to show up another five minutes later. But people were upset that they were standing for five minutes. I'm like, it says the exact time it's going to show up. It's not even close to that time. But people were upset. Like, where's my bag? Where's my bag? It's like, right there, it says 402. It's just 355. Like, just hold on. It'll show up. Because we are just being taught to be impatient. And so that translates into other people's life. And, and when we're, especially when we're with people in the world, we just want them to change their life immediately. That's not how you should behave. This is how you should behave. Here's the Bible and here's the rules. Just change it immediately and become like that. And Apostle Paul says, as a matter of fact, I was the worst of all sinners. And Christ showed immense patience so that you can show patience to other people. You know, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit is to show patience to people. And to show, the next thing is kindness. You show Jesus to others. God wants you to be radically different from the world. Romans chapter 2 verse 4. Do you, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? See, God was kind to you so that he can lead your life into repentance. It's like the way he was kind is what led us to repentance. It's not because he's going to judge us. I didn't come to Christ because he's going to judge me. That was not why I came to Christ. It's because of his love, his kindness, his patience. And I can't believe he was so patient with me. I can't believe that he was so kind to me in the midst of all crazy stuffs. And Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 30, 32, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice, but be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. He says, you know, get it into your life to be kind with one another because that's how you're going to lead people to repentance. People are not coming to Christianity because you're angry. People come to Christianity because of your kindness. Because people look at you and they're like, man, those people are so kind and so patient. Like even when I go to a store, I always tell myself, you know, hey, I'm going to go to the store. I can't just get crazy. I can't like get upset if somebody cuts the line. I can't like get upset if the cashier is taking a couple minutes to figure out something. Happened to me a couple, couple months ago. I was, I was at Home Depot. I was going to get something and this guy cut the line. I was going to say something back to him. I was going to like, like get really upset at him. He cut the line and he was in front of me. And then he turns around and he's like, hey, you're Pastor John. I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. I do not know. I was, like, I was just like, I was like, Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit. 
I say, if I ever thanked the Holy Spirit, that was the moment I was just thanking him. Thank you. Thank you, God, for holding my mouth. Because I would have said something, and he turned around like, Pastor, I can't believe you're doing this. Like, he was like, man, I watch you online. And then a couple of weeks later, he started going to church here. And I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. <laughs> it's like, if I didn't have kindness and patience in how I was acting and reacting at that moment, somebody who was thinking about Jesus might have been led away from God because the fruit in my life was not showing that the tree that I am and the fruit that I'm bearing is, is not making sense. They're like, hey, hey, I don't want this Jesus. This guy doesn't have any kind of kindness and any kind of peace and, and patience. Church, I want to encourage you. You know, just have patience in your life. I'm going to wrap up and we're going to try to run into the next three uh, fruits next week. But I want to encourage you. You know, dads, if you're here in this room, patience is very important. Have, be patient in your house. Parents, be patient with your children. Show kindness to one another in your relationship. Show kindness to people who work. When you go to the store, when you're driving in the, in the car, if somebody cuts you off, you know, just take a minute. Take a minute, Lord. It could be one of our believers. Especially when somebody cuts me off in Grafton, I'm like, Father, they might go to New Life. <laughs> I act a little different in Milwaukee, okay? So, <laughs> but up here. <laughs> but even in Milwaukee, it's like, it's like because I'm like, God, I want to show kindness. These three gifts, patience, kindness, and then peace, joy, love, and goodness. Goodness, we'll look at goodness next week. But patience and kindness and goodness is what we show to people. That's how. Because of your kindness is how people repent of their sin and, and say, I want to follow Jesus because of your kindness. Would you stand with me? Hey, church, I want to encourage you a couple things as I'm wrapping up. I know I, it was part of my sermon, but, but if you haven't uh, sponsored a child, if you didn't take time last week to sponsor a child, we have, we have a table out there. These are children in different parts of the world that uh, for $38, you sponsor a child. They receive food and educational care and medical care and vocational training and Christian care and guidance. And uh, it's, it's a really awesome moment for you to touch somebody's life, a young child's life. I want to encourage you, if you have not been part of it, would you consider sponsoring one child? It's th just $38. And it's not a lot of money for us, but it really transforms a child's life somewhere in the world. I just have a couple pictures. I'm just going to, if Ms. June, you have some of those pictures. Um, it's this church. We, we spoke about it on Tuesday, Sunday on a Tuesday. There's a church up in, uh, in India. If you just keep going faster, they're, they're doing a construction, and they're trying to finish up the floor and, and, and the roof. So if you keep going. Um, now, this is a, I thought this was a finished one. This is a rented place. They're actually renting that. And with the laws being changed, on, uh, you can't convert people in India anymore. That ceiling is, is seven feet high, and it's just a metal sheet. So imagine uh, like 90 or 100 degree temperatures and just tremendous humidity, no AC, no, no fan, nothing, and they're worshiping the Lord there. They're raising um, $12,000 is what they're raising. And the reason I, I got to speak with that, uh, the family and the church out there, they're raising $12,000 to build, to finish that construction. So if you can go back one picture, to finish that entire building, uh, just one more. 
So what it would do is finish that entire building and it would put a concrete floor uh, on top. And on top of that, it would build a house, a little house with like a one bedroom and a living room and a kitchen for the pastor so that he doesn't have to be thrown out. It's their building and he would have a home and, and they don't have to worry about you know, raising money and funds every, every month to pay rent and do different things as landlords and different people are as causing problems. And if it, God lays it on your heart, and you want to give to it, you know, just, uh, you can write a check to New Life and just write Church in India, and, uh, and we'd get it to them. But if God places it on your heart to give to that ministry, I want to encourage you, would you consider giving so that we could have an impact on somebody's life? I grew up in India, and uh, because of people like you supported our church in India 30, 40 years ago, is why I'm here today as your pastor. Because people like you gave sacrificially and I feel like we can impact somebody's life and a whole church. Uh, even though we are doing construction and, and we are walking through different financial things, the last couple of weeks as I've been spending time with the Lord, the Lord's just asked me to, to speak more about the homeless and orphans and widows and, and people who are less fortunate than us. We as a church, you know, no matter how our finances are, we're still blessed than most people in other parts of the world. Me as your pastor, I'm absolutely blessed. You know, it's, it's a privilege and a blessing to be your pastor. You know, me and my family, we, we lack nothing but pastors like that. There's so much that they lack and, and so much that they struggle with. Building that church would give them tremendous amount of peace and joy to do their ministry that they're doing. So if God lays it on your heart, would you consider giving to that? Let me pray as we wrap up. Father, we just come to you. And we ask that the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit would continue to be with us and guide us and lead us. God, speak to us and help us that through our patience and kindness, somebody would give their life to you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good, good father.